they have to reboot the sun is a sentence used to describe that movie. With nukes! Radio Drone. Thursday nights are where you end your week. I am Josh Hadley. Where is Alex Jowski at the end? He is the living end, actually. Whatever you mean. Uh, yeah, I am. Did you at least get that, Cecil T? Yes, he is. So, how is... We're trying really hard to cheer him up today. Alex is not having the best of days, which we won't go into. Alex, would it cheer you up if Cecil did the Adam and Eve promo without gimping it up? Yes, it would. Hint. All right. Okay. Well, let me see if I can put a little bit more enthusiasm in it this time, because apparently I sucked before. Go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME to get 50% off a single item, free shipping in the U.S., and three free DVDs. Oh, and also a free mystery gift. AdamandEve.com. Promo code DROME, correct. Promo code DROME. So, movie endings. The good, Spoilers. the bad. Kind of goes without Lots saying. But the good, the bad, twist endings, and how an ending affects the movie itself for you. Does a movie you're really enjoying get harmed if all of a sudden, say, it craps out in the last 10 minutes and has a cheap-ass ending? Does it ruin the first 90% of the movie for you, that the ending didn't live up to it? Or do you take those as separate entities? It really depends on the content of that first 90%. If I really wasn't into the movie to begin with and then it has a crap ending, well, yeah, the whole movie's crap. But if it was a really amazing first 90% of that movie with a crap ending, it's not going to affect it too much. Yeah, I'm the same way. It really depends on how the beginning of the movie goes. If the if the first 90 or first however is really incredibly solid and it's a good movie and then the ending, you know, kind of craps out for one reason or another, they don't know how to end it or it's a kind of a cheap ending or the whole thing was a dream, it does detract from it, but it doesn't entirely ruin it unless it's something like really bad. But, you know, that has to be like really, really, really a, a major cop out for me to dislike the movie entirely. And see, I, I'm in the camp of it does affect it to me because I'm, I try to look at the movie as a whole, not, oh, well, the first 20 minutes are good and then the rest is crap or, oh, the only the last 10 minutes are any good. I want to look at it as a whole. So to me, a bad ending, it, if it fails to do its job by wrapping up the story in a satisfactory manner, especially when you go for what ever since The Sixth Sense, has been the almost stock twist ending. For instance, a movie like The Forgotten with Julianne Moore. It's an all right movie, you know, don't hate it, don't love it. And then when you get the twist at the end, hey, it's aliens, you just kind of go, what the fuck was that? Yeah, The Forgotten is a piece of crap. It's aliens, but see, I wasn't enjoying that movie to begin with. You said, yeah, it's all right. I'm like, ugh, it's, it's not all right. I was not into that movie. But there was, after Sixth Sense, a lot of movies that are like, they're dead, or or God forbid, the they're schizophrenic and everything is taking place inside their head. I think that was a shot at you, Cecil, over High Tension. Hot, t- <laughs> Hot Tension was not 
a split personality. It was dissociative identity disorder. It's a completely different thing altogether. Yeah. It's it was when... more a shot at John Carpenter's The Ward. Oh, The Ward. God damn it, I wanted to like that movie. But yeah. High Tension's one of those ones where I enjoyed the first 90% enough to not really care about the ending, good or bad. Well, but, do you know where the But mo- to me, once I found out what the twist was, it pissed me off because that didn't jive with the rest of the movie for me. Yes, it does. I could send you a laundry list. I wrote a freaking litany about all the hints that were because so many people are like, oh, God, he threw the twist ending in there because the movie was just a rip off of me Ma- of uh, Maniac and uh, or, or no, not Maniac. Ugh, God, Madman, well, I think. I- Anyway, I got a lot of it from that Dean Koontz novel, Intensity. Yeah, that that was it. There were people that were saying that he ripped off Intensity and they threw the twist ending in there so he didn't get sued. But if you watch the movie, there are so many hints throughout the film that it's like that this is perception of what happened. And originally, the film was supposed to end right when you find it. Like, you know how they do the thing where you find out that she's the killer? And it, like she's standing there and you're like, holy shit, that was supposed to be the end. But the studio was like, that's not going to be enough for people and made him add on the additional 10 minutes of where she was chasing her through the woods and then did have that really awesome scene with that giant saw. It kind of undermined the whole previous thing. And then that kind of took away from it a little bit. So it was I, I'll talk about that for too long. So I'll stop. How does the ending affect an adaptation, whether you change the ending from the source material or whether you keep the ending from the source material? For instance, I was watching the top 10 worst movie endings of all time list on WatchMojo.com, and I started to realize halfway through this list that these people are morons. They start complaining about the theatrical ending of I Am Legend, the Will Smith version, because it ignores the setups that the Darkstalkers are intelligent creatures from before. Okay, I'm all right with that there. But then they go in to talk about how Will Smith dies unnecessarily, and I just start screaming at my computer, Have you read the goddamn book? Neville has to die for for the story to make sense. That's actually closer to the book's ending than the happy ending with all the setup at the Darkstalkers are smart. So it's like, yeah. you people are the problem, not the ending of the movie. If, if you stuck to the ending of the book, you piss people off. If you stick to the ending that you spent the whole movie setting up, you piss off everyone who read the book. Is it almost like Akiva Goldsman <clears throat> had no idea what he was doing while writing that movie, as Cecil and I discussed a few weeks ago? Yeah, I think that uh, I Am Legend just had a lot of problems. I'm one of the people who thought that the original ending where, uh, you know, he 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 gives the 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 wife back to the guy. I thought that was terrible. I was me like, too. Like, it's also contradictory because at the yeah. end when they're driving off into the sunset, they're driving across the bridge. We saw blowed up throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it was just stupid. And yet that's I'm... the ending. Everybody loves Cecil. Yeah, that's the ending where it's like, oh, this is the superior ending. This is the way it was so much more emotional. And I was like, it, I, when I saw it, because everybody was raving about it, I was ready to watch it and be like, oh, well, this is what would have saved the movie. And then I watched it and I'm like, that would have made the movie worse. Have you read the book? No, I have not read the book. 
the ending of the book that Neville finds out that they're just straight out vampires in the book, but Neville finds out that they are intelligent creatures and that he has been killing them in their sleep. He has become what to them a vampire is to us. He is the boogeyman in the night that breaks into your house and stakes you while you're sleeping. And he realizes that his legend is so much more powerful than he can ever achieve. So he commits suicide rather than be killed by them, so that way his legend will carry on. I am legend. Do you see how it all comes full circle when you've read the book? That makes more sense. Basically, Neville has to die. Neville cannot survive this story for it to work. And it's just the idiots that go, they really liked Will Smith. Well, they wanted Will Smith to, to live so that they could have a, a, a happy go lucky goofy sequel where uh just more cgi they're monsters getting prequel and... anyway are they? of course they are yeah they're making a prequel it takes place during the three years he was all alone and you see more people die and whatnot and you see the dog as a little puppy i'm not kidding uh you know the, the talk about movies that don't need any there's so many other movies that deserve sequels or prequels or whatever i am legend it wasn't a bad movie but it was such a mediocre movie that the fact that we're even talking about it like this is just like, eh. They should stick with the book. If you're adapting a book, you should stick with the book. Otherwise, just make a totally different movie. Even if the ending of the book happens to be bad. Like, I was arguing with somebody about the end of 12 Years of a Slave the other day, and I hate the ending to that movie because it's complete deus ex machina. You have Brad Pitt, who shows up in the third act out of nowhere, says slavery is bad, so the slave's like, oh, can can you free me? Can you write a letter? Brad Pitt says, yeah, and then the next scene is just some guy wandering up saying, hey, Brad Pitt wrote a letter, you're free now. But apparently that's the way it actually happened. So I'm like, well, I guess I can't hate it since that's how it happened. It just looks terrible on film. Well, what, what about something in the case of, going back to this idiotic WatchMojo.com list, they complain about Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Not for the reason you would think. I hated that ending too because the ending is stupid. The way the kid survives and got to Boston before them and somehow just his parents' block is not demolished and whatnot, they're complaining about keeping the book's ending. That, oh, they can fly all the way from other planets and hibernate for millions of years, but they don't know how to inoculate themselves against the common cold? That's stupid! Arguably, Steven Spielberg was set up to disappoint from the start by choosing to remain stringently loyal to the original source material. This means that germs defeat the aliens, not humans. So, they've mastered interplanetary travel, but Purell is completely beyond them. From the moment the invaders arrived, breathed our air, ate, and drank, they were doomed. I guess War of the Flu Season or Common Cold of the Worlds weren't catchy titles. Holy f***. You know, the book goes into real good detail of why germs could kill the Martians, that the Martians have no concept of what it's like on Earth. That's why they're in the tripods, for instance, because Earth's gravity, they wouldn't be able to exist. So do you guys basically agree with me that it's idiotic, that that's the reason they had a problem with War of the Worlds? Yeah, that is pretty idiotic, considering that ending is actually kind of completely sensical for the book. It's plausible, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah. It's completely plausible because, of course, these are things that are alien. I mean, the word alone, Literally alien. Literally alien. 
literally alien. It's a foreign thing that, of course, okay, let's say we as humans eventually, you know, achieve light speed travel and could go to other planets and all that. Are we going to know exactly what exists on every other planet? No. So these guys come down. They don't have any concept of what germs are. And so that's what kills them. And I mean, that's kind of the irony of the whole thing. In and the way, fact that in a way, Cecil, in a way, it's kind of the point of the book. Oh, absolutely. But it's it's see, this is one of those things that really gets me right now is that with 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 websites like that, where where they're putting together these lists uh, they're specifically looking for these little tiny things just to bitch and nitpick about them instead of like, I mean, I understand some movies where you're like, holy crap, that is a really big leap that they made or a really bad twist or something. But when you're when you're nitpicking over something like that, you're just being a dick. Now, what about when the ending n- not necessarily comes out of nowhere? Although in this in the case I'm going to bring up, it does, but that's not the reason I'm bringing up this specific case, where you all of a sudden shift genres. A movie like Sunshine, a movie I wasn't really enjoying to begin with, and then all of a sudden, third act, it's a slasher movie in space, out of nowhere. I mean, seriously, it switches genres so fast, you almost get whiplash. What about when endings do that kind of thing? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I like when stuff just changes it up. It keeps the movie from being stale. Have you seen Sunshine? No, I haven't. I've never even heard of it. Good, don't. Agree with you to a certain extent. Like, I saw Sunshine and was actually really enjoying it, and then the third act comes along and it turns into a horror film. And it didn't make me dislike the film, but it did make me like it less because it's such a drastic and completely out of left field turn that you're, you're like, okay, you know, yeah, they're going to go and, and reboot the sun and everything. And it, it's, it works better than the movie than my describing it. But then like all Not of a sudden, really. I, I thought it did. I thought, I, I thought I, it was. Okay. The first problem it, I had, Cecil, the first uh-huh. problem I had with the movie sunshine, you can call me nitpicky, but this is something that bothers me in movies. They're sending this one time mission. Cause you know, the first one failed. So this is their last attempt to save the human race. And they specifically have a line at the beginning, This, these are the best and brightest on the planet. Not a single one of the actors is over 30. And they're all pretty people. So every scientist we have that are the smartest people on the planet are all under 30 and pretty. Oh, f*** you. See, the uh, problem I have with Sunshine, even though I've never seen it, is the fact that they have to reboot the sun is a sentence used to describe that movie. With nukes. They're going to drop nukes into the sun to kick it back up to stop an ice age. I'm not it kidding. It works within the context of the film. I am willing, when, when movies come along, I am willing to give them one. Like, every movie has something that is out of the ordinary. There's a kid who finds out he's a wizard, and he goes to wizard school. Okay, that doesn't exist in reality, but it does in the context of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, you know, but something like this, okay, the whole concept is that the sun is dying, and in order to stop a, the, the next ice age, they're going to reboot the sun. Okay, fine. You know, that's that's what they're going to go with. I, I give them one. I give them that at least it was something different. But yeah, them them switching genres like that was just, like you said, it, it gave you whiplash, because it happens. Snap your fingers. It's like, it's a science fiction movie. It's a horror movie. Like, I mean, they even changed the lighting. But I mean, the sometimes editing, it works. Too, it becomes much faster edits. Oh, yeah. To the point where it, it was like 
it was like they ran out of ideas and said, "Ah, just," or, or it was like they picked up the wrong page of the script from they picked up the script from the wrong movie, and they're all of a sudden in a Friday the Thirteenth flick, and it's just like, eh, sure, why not?" It does occasionally work, like, and this is timely in the original from Dust Till Dawn. It starts off as kind of an action crime movie turns into a horror movie at the halfway point. And for me, it's just like, it's boom, boom. It works. But that's, like the, but that's at the halfway, but that's at the halfway point, not in the final 20 minutes. Martyrs is another one that works that way. It starts off as looking like a ghost story mixed with the revenge thriller, but then you find out, oh, everything's in her head. And Hey, you know, now we're going to be torture porn for the last 20 minutes. Have you seen the American version of life on Mars? The TV show, the one with Harvey Keitel. No, I think I, I watched one watch episode it. of the original one, and that's only because it came on after some TV show that had Jeremy Renner in it for like half a season. That that the ending to that divided everybody, because first of all, it was hinted at. Because what the plot of Life on Mars is, and keep in mind the title, Life on Mars, it has a double meaning in this show. A cop from like 2009 or whenever the series first came on, all of a sudden he gets hit on the head and he wakes up in the 1970s but having all of his 2009 memories. And he's still a cop and blah, 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 and he goes through and there's all these little shots of astronauts and whatnot. And then at the end, the twist ending at the end of the series finale, it turns out he's actually an astronaut on his way to Mars and the virtual reality simulation he was in screwed up and he was supposed to be imagining himself on the trip as a cop in 2009 but it goofed and put him in 1970 i thought that was brilliant that's unique i'll give it that but it pissed people off too they, they felt cheated one of the big things i got from reviews cheated was the thing and i'm like yeah actually it was kind of set up the title the constant shots of astronauts and mirrors and stuff not exactly like an ass pull well, there's so many TV shows that just don't know how to end. Like Lost. Anything last Lindelof episode. touches. Yeah, the the last episode of Lost is like, sorry, we were making this up as we went along. If you were expecting something. Despite I'm, the fact that in the first season we assured you we were not making it up as we went along. Yeah, that, that last episode just assured you, yeah, we were making it up as we went along. We wrote this ending on a cocktail napkin at lunch today. Hey, at least they gave a definitive, solid ending that tied everything up. Like Alex just said, with Lost, it's like, hey, um, eh, we got nothing. <laughs> Here, make up your own ending. It'll be better than what we come up with. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's cool. I mean, uh, was that the same that they did with the, the British, the original? No, I never saw the the British original, but I know one of the big complaints was, why didn't they use the ending from the original? I, I don't know if that ending is better or worse. Like I said, I haven't seen that one, but I loved the American series ending. I thought that was a, a real brilliant move that did not feel like an ass pull. Kind of has shades of Total Recall. In a way. And not in a bad way. I'm just saying it, it does. As soon as you said it, it kind of made the first thing I thought of was Total Recall. Speaking of Total Recall, what about the ending to that? You're never quite sure if even the ending that we see is reality or if it's all still in his mind and in the recall simulation or not verhoven specifically left that open that you're not sure as the viewer whether that's quote-unquote reality or not 
is that good or bad? If if you, I'm got, talking the original Total Recall, not that other not the thing. TV series. No, oh, I mean that other thing. Oh, oh, I, you know what? I completely forgot that even existed. That's probably the best thing you could do about that. Wow, that was a terrible movie. But yeah, the original. Uh, if when you've got a fantastic director like Verhoeven, you can do an open ending that answers questions but still leaves you thinking. And so that's a movie that you know will be dissected forever, essentially. Which is one of the reasons why they you know they see it. Oh, this is a successful movie. It's been around for so long. Let's remake it, but take out everything that made the original good. I love a good open ending because those are the kind of movies that like so many movies, you watch them. And after they're over, you get up and you walk out of the theater or you walk out of the living room to go get a drink. And from the time you're walking, you forget that you even just saw a movie where if you see a movie that has a really, really cool open ending that leaves you like with questions, you'll be thinking about that for the rest of the week. And possibly even, you know, longer than that. I mean, I, I love Total Recall. Fantastic movie. And yeah, a good open ending will, will definitely elevate the movie. If, if the movie already is good, it'll take it to that next point. There's endings that have been just like way too vague. And again, it's basically anything by Lindelof. I, I think when an ending is that is as vague as that, it's we don't want to go either way so you can figure it out. Whereas like with Total Recall... Verhoeven specifically wanted you to be questioning whether it's reality. And see, he wanted you to be questioning it, not to have you go, well, so what actually happened? That's the difference between Lindelof and Verhoeven's. What about when, when you're doing a remake? Do you want to stick to the original ending? Or do you want to try and one-up it and make a fool out of yourself like Tim Burton did with his Planet of the Apes disaster? The movie was terrible on multiple levels, but the ending just showed that he cared more about, hey, let's make it shocking, even if it makes no sense. Whereas at least the ending to the original, it made sense in a certain context. I think if you're going to change the ending when you do a remake, you ought to make it good. Like, I don't mind the ending of the Evil Dead remake because it was okay, fit with the rest of the movie that it was telling, but fuck that Planet of the Apes remake ending. Jesus. A planet where apes evolved from men? I I think that uh, the, the, whole, uh, the whole concept of, of remakes is just, uh, it's just so overdone at this point, and I think that, honestly, uh, if you're going to remake a movie, uh, you shouldn't do the original ending because it does a disservice to the people who haven't seen the original movie because most likely there's a high probability that the movie that you're watching that's the remake is going to be a garbage version of whatever the original movie was so when you get a movie like uh spike lee's old boy which is a remake of in my humble opinion one of the most brilliant movies ever made the original old boy to have somebody see that and to have that ending ruined is a, a complete travesty. Now, he changed the ending because he didn't have the balls to kind of do exactly what the original one did. It was just way too much for American audiences to handle. I still think that uh, when you're doing a remake, you shouldn't do the exact same movie as the original because then what's the point? Just just do something. 
you know, take the concept and do something different. Don't just do the whole thing over again. What about when a movie ending, it doesn't come out of nowhere, although, it, I mean, in the case I'm going to bring, it does kind of, but it was the logical progression. You just didn't think they'd go there. What about when you didn't think they'd go there as happens? Like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, they were kind of threatening to lobotomize him the whole time. And then when they actually do it, you're shocked that they actually did it, aren't you? Yeah, but that's an ending that makes sense. And it services the movie. It actually brings it all together. So for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah, that worked. Other movies where you're wanting them not to go and they go there and it totally sucks, like the Planet of the Apes remake. Or one of the fears I had, and I'm sure Cecil will back me on this one, when, at the end of Riddick, when Dahl is strapped to him and carrying him, carrying him into the sky, I heard that the studio wanted them to kiss. Would that not have pissed you off, Cecil? Yeah, that, that would have, like, that would have bugged me. Like, I, if, like, a good ending would have been, like, if they wanted them to have, like, uh, to, to show them actually getting it on, the, the better Keeping in mind, to... she's a lesbian, pretty militant throughout the whole movie. Pretty militant, but the whole thing was basically, he was like, I'm, su- I'm such a badass mother effer that I'm going to change you, you know, which I know would, p- you know, piss off a lot of lesbians, I'm sure. But if they wanted to go there, like, having him uh, show him on the communicator at the end and then maybe have her like come like half naked in the background or something if they wanted to go there. I'm glad they didn't. And they just kind of really did the, the ribaldrous insinuation about it. But yeah, that of course the studio, you know, wanted, wanted them to kiss and have go. Cause they, for some reason that's kind of the pinnacle of, Oh look, they're falling in love now. And ugh, yeah, it would have, it would have been cornbally movies like that where it's like, okay, we've kind of been leading to this and here's the ending. It, it works because like, like Alex said, it, it ties the whole thing around uh, like seven, seven, I think had a fantastic ending. Seven had because... a, yeah, that was a phenomenal ending. And it wasn't so much that they went there that you went, I don't think they'll do. They did it. Awesome. Yeah. You're like, you're sitting there and you're like, you see him because he's like, he's looking at him and he's pointing the gun and he's, do I do it? Do I not do it? Like, he didn't just do it. What's in the box? It. Yeah, what's in the box? But he's like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it? Should I not do it? And Morgan Freeman's, oh, don't do it. And then he does it. You're like, oh my God, that was awesome. Seven, <laughs> I, I had loaned Seven to a friend of mine and he comes in the next day and he's like, I watched it with my wife. And after the movie was over, she didn't want the movie in the house. She actually made him take the DVD and put it in his car because the movie was so evil to her that she didn't even want it in her house. What about when you've got a movie that is realistic but cartoony at the same time and it's got a gradual escalation to an almost cartoony world to an almost cartoony level to the point where in a good way it throws you off. Because you don't know where it's going to go now, such as Network. You don't think they're ever going to, the characters are ever going to go for the ending that happens. Or, in a more modern respect, John dies at the end. I defy anybody the first time watching that to know just where the hell that movie's going to go in a good way. Well, John dies at the end. The whole movie is that, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's the good. ending. Yeah, the whole movie, you don't know what's going to happen next. And what happens next, you would never have guessed. And it's that way for the entire movie. So the ending just feels like the next thing in the progression of events. 
with the way that story was going. Yeah, network. Uh, it 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 did throw you because, like you said, it it starts off so kind of kind of normal, and then yeah, it does kind of uh, the progression escalates to just being but, weird. But it escalates at such a realistic rate and level that it doesn't get jarring, does it? No, and and the thing with with network, I mean, go back and watch it again. That movie predicted so much. I mean, it predicted reality television, Fox and, and News, Fox News. I mean, that thing really—it's like, holy crap, were they on point with this? So yeah, Network is is a, is a very good movie, and with John dies at the end, yeah, it's just it starts off bizarre, and it manages to keep up that level of weirdness, but in the context of the movie, it totally works, and it doesn't feel out of place. And you never, you do never know what the hell is going to have next. And if you say you knew what was coming next, you're lying. You haven't, you know, it was just so, so out of left field. And in and all honesty, fantastic. in all honesty, the actual twist at the end that Barkley was the mm-hmm. hero and they were the escorts, I thought was beyond brilliant. Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I, I loved it because I'm like, holy crap, never in a million years. Did I freaking see that happening? But speaking of that, then, what about movies that use what we call rubber reality, where they they play with physics and they play with reality? John Dies at the End is a perfect example. That's a rubber reality movie. What about that? Does that make a bizarre ending better or worse? Because the rules of reality and even of filmmaking don't apply anymore. You know, it depends on what works within the context of the movie. If your movie's taking place where, you know, certain laws of physics don't apply, well, your ending better be consistent to the rules that you've already stated for your movie. Yeah, it, it, it really depends on the movie. Uh, it's it, it's tough to say. It, I guess it's just kind of a, you know, a case-by-case basis, really. Okay, well, what about when an ending kind of comes out of nowhere? It's not a plot twist, but it's – or it's it's not even a – well, I didn't think they were going to go there. It was kind of, well, that happened. I don't remember what the movie was called. It was some sci-fi channel movie, giant shark. They're at the bottom of the ocean in like the Marinus Trench fighting this giant megalodon with a submarine. And at the end, earlier on, the shark rammed the sub and knocked one of the torpedo tubes in. So when they fire the, the torpedo to try and blow the shark up, it hits the dent blows up the sub and, and the shark and kills everybody and the credits just come up and you just go, well, that happened, I guess. What about when movies just do that? It's like, we're out of money, end now! I don't know. Sometimes sometimes it's kind of refreshing because it's like, oh, oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, more, I mean, if it was a sci-fi channel movie, it probably was basically, all right, we need an ending, just end. But uh, in some movies, the abrupt ending... It, it works. It's like, all right, that was that was cool. That was something different. That was something unexpected because you're watching it and all of a sudden, boom, end. There, there's other ones where uh, I thought you were going to kind of transition to like a deus ex machina where all of a sudden it's like, uh, we have no idea how to how to end I this. Gonna, I was going to go there next. Uh, OK. All right. Well, then I'll, I'll save this for that then. And then rocks fall. Everyone dies. But no, Italian movies that I've watched a lot lately have a lot of those abrupt endings. Like some Joe D'Amato movies like Anthropophagus and Absurd, they both end the exact same way. Somebody kills the bad guy and end. There's no resolution to follow up on it. On that same note, but then you've got stuff like The Beyond, which has a rather abrupt ending. It does kind of come out of nowhere, but it's also beautiful and 
kind of poetic at the same time. Where would you classify then the ending of the beyond? Well, it's still pretty abrupt, but it satisfies. But then you, you've got like the deus ex machina ending where just all of a sudden the character figures out something or some trope within the movie works when it never worked before or whatnot that just is like, well, we need a way to tie these acts together. I don't care if this makes any sense. Just go with it. To me, the worst deus ex machinas that, that they've ever done is the all-knowing character who knows information that he could have shared earlier, but didn't because, well, now it's the ending of the movie, so now is when they figure it out. You tell us earlier, well, well you never asked. Yeah. I've seen that too many times. Yeah, crap like that. I despise those kind of endings because that, to me, is a, a shit screenwriter doesn't know how to write. I hate endings like that, and it's clear sign that the writer didn't know what they were doing. They wrote themselves into a corner and then pulled an ending out of their ass. And I hate to bring it up again, but the remake of Planet of the Apes is that exact same way. It's deus ex machina. Literally, they have God in the machine now. The greatest deus ex machina ever, in my, I think, is the ending of the Apple. All the people on Earth are now... The Glenn Globus early canon musical? The, the Golan Globus uh, Okay, just making musical. sure we're thinking of the right Apple movie. I haven't yes. seen that since the 80s, so I honestly don't remember what the ending was, but... I didn't like the movie to begin with, so... It's the greatest thing ever. Like, the the music uh, company now owns everyone on Earth. And so God drives in in a gold-plated Rolls-Royce, I believe, and takes all of the good people from Earth to another planet where they can be free from this evil music producer who is also the devil. Are you sure they didn't release their Thetans? (laughs) <laughs> they they had them hold up their spirit rod and they released their thetans and Zenu was very angry. Okay, then what what about when an ending is specifically made to set up the next film? And it's one thing if you're based on a, a book that has you know a series of books or you're part of a franchise. But what about something where you're not sure that you're gonna get another film? Does that piss you off that they specifically don't? tie this first movie up because they were hoping to do it in the next film? Or does that kind of make it more kitschy fun? That makes it more kitschy fun in the case of Last Airbender because that movie so sets itself up for, oh, you're going to love part two. I was thinking something more along the lines of Masters of the Universe. Yeah, okay. Or Buckaroo Banzai. They actually tell you the name of the sequel that's never been made. It kind of was. It was called Big Trouble in Little China. Same writer, and that his original idea for the Buckaroo Banzai script is what became Big Trouble in Little China. So Big Trouble in Little China is kind of, sort of, almost maybe not really the sequel to Buckaroo Banzai. Okay, Super Mario Brothers ending. Super Mario Brothers would Super be Mario one, Brothers. yes. <laughs> so, but d- does that help or hurt the movie to you when history has shown it's the only film in this franchise? It's kitschy fun. Well, in the case of Super Mario Brothers, you still have a complete film, and then they had the little stinger at the very, but very the end. But the epilogue still sets up more story that isn't there. Right, but there's a difference between telling a complete story and then having just a little teaser of the next thing than 
having three fourths of a story and then going, we're going to tell you more in the next one, because then you're not getting a full experience. You're getting part of an experience and then you know you're hoping that it does well enough for a sequel but time and time again a lot of those movies tank and then you never get any kind of resolution and all it does is piss you off because then you never find out what the hell happened any paranormal teen series that's been made into a movie since twilight all of those flopped none of those are getting sequels well alex to be fair look at Magedo, the omega code 2 they're yeah, building, the so they're building up to this ending, and then it just stops, and it kind of sets up a third movie. And I'm all I could think of was, you really think you're getting a third movie after Trencher Smith? And I'm saying this in a good way, completely tanked this movie to make it this much fun? Well, first of all, it wasn't even a sequel to the first one. It was back really. a remake. And then it just like ends, and it's like, oh, the adventures they have in heaven are going to be great, too. Yeah, Michael Bean is battling Michael York. Michael Bean is the son of God, and Michael York is the son of the devil. Don't ask it. It gets more convoluted. And Michael Bean is the president of the United States, and Michael York is in a dystopian future where he is head of all the rest of the world except for parts of America and with the Latinos. Remember, Alex? The Latino countries. The Latino sector. Yeah, the Latino sector. Then all of a sudden, God snaps his fingers and just stops the movie and and then resets the clock to zero and the human race begins anew and it's 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 so what just happened it's, but it's it's mexico and texas declaring war on michael york in the world why have i not seen this movie yet what is worse then when you come to an ending a predictable ending or an unpredictable ending that doesn't make sense. Like, say you're just watching an average drama that's set in the real world, and it ends pretty much how you think it's going to. The characters go through the motions. Just one of those go through the motions, no surprises whatsoever in the film endings. Or would you rather have some sort of a twist ending, even if it kind of doesn't make sense? It really depends on how rewarding the rest of the movie has been, because... 90% of action movies all have predictable endings, and there's good ones and bad ones. The like, good guy's going to kill the bad guy, yeah. make a quip, and then have no charges filed against him. Yeah, you know from the first first reel of Die Hard, okay, Bruce Willis is going to save the day, and what's-his-face is going to die. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, yes. Alan Rickman's going to die. You know that's how it's going to end. It's just the whole experience of the movie is what makes it worth it. Now, if Die Hard had a weird twist ending, like I know Bruce Willis is a ghost and didn't It does have a weird twist him. ending, how Carl comes back as a zombie. Because I'm like, sorry, yes. Carl was dead. But but if they said, okay, Bruce Willis is a ghost, yeah, it would have ruined Die Hard. So sometimes you need to stick with the traditional predictable ending. Yeah, the, uh, sometimes just the good, old-fashioned, solid ending works. I mean, I guess it really depends on the kind of film. If the film is kind of quirky and weird and whatnot, then, it, you know, of course having a more quirky, you know, unique ending would work. But when you've got a film like Die Hard that is just a, a throwback to the slam-bang action, you know, experience, you want that big, all right, kicking ass, walks out, you know, ending. Yeah, th it doesn't always need to be something unique it can just be traditional and it can still work and be a full experience there was a movie that came out in 2003 called lost lake terrible movie that nobody really saw but it had one of the most 
bizarre out of left field uh, original endings ever. The whole movie, it's about this group of people and they're up lodge in the mountains and it's all talking about their lives and it's this drama and it's like, okay, you know, this is kind of a, a just a regular drama, romantic stuff going on. And then all of a sudden an avalanche happens and they all die and go to heaven. And like the last 10 minutes of the film is them in heaven. And it's like, and then it ends because they're all dead. And you're like, what? What, what about something like Deep Rising? I really didn't like Deep Rising, but the last 10 seconds made me go, all right, that was a great stinger. For, for those that don't, you know, they're fighting this giant octopus thing on the ship the whole time, and it's predictable, bad CGI, you know, Famke Jensen's making one-liners along with Treat Williams, blah, blah, blah. They all survive. They get to, a, you know, the, the final three survivors land on a desert island. They're like, where are we now? And then all of a sudden there's some giant monster out of nowhere smashing trees down, and they're like, oh, now what? And the credits come up. That pissed a lot of people off. I enjoyed that. I think that's like the um, Super Mario Brothers kind of ending where you've had a complete movie, but then, hey, here's a little stinger of an epilogue for fun. Yeah, and I actually liked Deep Rising. I thought uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was just a, a cool movie. I thought the characters are cool. I thought Treat Williams was, was great, and uh, I like Famke Jansen a lot. And then that ending, it just kicked ass because it's like, okay, the, the ship explodes, and they're on the jet ski, and they're like, holy shit, we made it. And then, you know, now what? I mean, it's it's just it's a really good, solid, nice stinger to a cool action movie. Well, now I get to, to finish out the show. What about when you see the alternate ending on a DVD or, you know, before that on like the TV cut or something? Cause a lot of times the, the like syndicated TV version would use a different ending and you like the ending they didn't use mainstream wise better. Does that then hurt the film for you? Like one I'm highly thinking of is the obvious Army of Darkness. I love the future dead ending way way better than the smart ending that's on the theatrical cut you guys might disagree but i think that was a much more ballsy ending and it more fit the character so knowing that does it kind of piss you off that they went for the i hate to say it cheaper more audience pleasing ending than the more logical ending in some cases well, I was part of the audience pleased with the audience pleasing ending of Army of Darkness. I like the smart ending. And since it wasn't until much later that I saw that alternate ending, I just wasn't used to it. I'm like, this isn't the way the movie I loved ended. But on the same note, I love the alternate ending for Butterfly Effect, which I know Only you Only because about. it's so much more stupid than the one they actually went with. It's so dark and just like, what? That I was like, I love this ending because it's so out of nowhere. I love the alternate ending to Butterfly Effect. Yeah, me too, man. The alternate ending of Butterfly Effect, that's the the real ending. Because, I mean, that's the director's cut ending. I mean, that's the version that he put as the ending on the DVD. In my opinion, that's the freaking ending. As far as Army of Darkness goes, I like both endings. Uh, I, I'd be hard-pressed to really say... I'd, I probably would go with the Smart ending simply because that was the one that I saw and, and I had become so familiar with it because I'd seen the movie so many times. And then, yeah, the, the alternate ending was the ending that I saw years and years later on the DVD. And it still was good, but it was like, eh, I kind of am a little partial to the original ending. What pisses me off is uh, I actually saw the original Paranormal Activity 
about eight months before it got mainstream release. I uh, got into a screener on that. And the original ending for that is awesome. It's fan-freaking-tastic. It's such a good ending. And then when Spielberg picked it up for distribution, he was like, well, we want to have a little bit more bang for your buck for the ending so the audience can... Bleh. So they shot two more endings. They shot a gory ending, and they shot a the, the Spielberg-suggested, as it's called, ending. And it's such a cop-out because that's the ending that got shown theatrically. It goes against everything in the rest of the film. And it feels so out of place and wrong. And then when they put the DVD out, the Spielberg suggested ending, and they put the alternate gory ending, but they don't include the original ending. That pisses me off. What, what about in that case, what about something like The Burbs? where the alternate ending is way darker than the one we got. And then there's the lost ending that both Tom Hanks and Joe Dante confirmed was filmed, but nobody can find where Tom Hanks's character gets killed and the serial killers completely get away. Had either of the alternate endings on the burbs been put onto the theatrical print, would you have liked the burbs more or less? Do you think I would have, I would have liked it. Probably more, because, I mean, The Burbs is just a fun movie to begin with. And then having two alternate endings that are just so bonkers, it kind of goes with the theme. of. I mean, the movie itself is is already nutsy. So having endings like that, yeah, I mean, that would totally make sense. You know, it would it wouldn't make sense if it was uh, something more mainstream. But that movie was just so goofy that, yeah, both of those endings I'd be fine with. Oh, either ending works for that. What do you guys think about the movie endings in general? Do you think that that the ending is as important as the build-up, or that a a great ending can save what was a mediocre movie, or a bad ending can ruin what was already a decent? Um, if a movie is really really good, the ending won't completely ruin it because there was still a good movie. But if the movie's been mediocre, a bad ending can ruin it. Case in point would be The Call, because that movie's pretty mediocre throughout, and then it's got this terrible, terrible ending. And then I went back and watched it again, and now I hated the whole mediocre movie. Now it became a bad movie, because I just, that ending was just so bad. A good movie can live relatively unaffected with a bad ending. A mediocre movie with a bad ending, it'll ruin it all. You have to have a strong support for that ending. Balance is everything. Uh, I have seen some bad movies that have had terrific endings that have managed to elevate them like because then it's like oh wow well that was was not expected or was cool or was something out of left field that totally worked so it does you know take it to the next step if the movie's mediocre and it has a bad ending it's just it's like all right well why am i even going to watch this again i mean unless it's like in a funny way that it's so bad then it kind of will be like, all right, well, you know, maybe this is something along the lines of like a troll two or whatever. It's so bad. And then it ends up just having a terrible ending and that makes it funnier. Endings are tough because they really do play a lot into how the movie is perceived. It is a shame how uh, so many movies come out and either because the producers were interfering or the director didn't know where they wanted to go with this, and they somehow end up screwing up the ending, it can ruin the experience and consequently ruin the movie for a lot of people. I'm in the corner of the ending is the most important of most important aspect of the movie because 
I think anybody can come up with a great buildup, but it's how you tie that buildup together and how you tie it down that's the most important. So to me, the ending is where it really is. I can be enjoying 90% of the movie and that last 10% do nothing but piss me off and sour me on the 90% that I liked. So to me, that it's more important to end well than it is to start well, if that makes any sense. On that note, Cecil, where would we end you? You can end me on goodbadflix.com as well as the newly revamped geekjuicemedia.com. Where can we end Alex Jowski? The newly revamped geekjuicemedia.com as well. And I can be found at the newly revamped geekjuicemedia.com as well, plus 1201beyond.com, and you can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. I'm sure we gimped up the ending of this episode somehow.
1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.